Joining me today is Mark Moeni. Mark is a lifelong entrepreneur who's on a mission to help coaches build successful businesses. He achieves this with his coaching programs, his podcast, Natural Born Coaches, his Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle, and his exclusive print newsletter, Secret Coach Club. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Colleen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. I'm super excited to talk about building an online freedom business on a shoestring budget. But first, please take a minute to fill in the gaps from that intro and tell us how did you get started on your journey? Well, my journey for my coaching business actually started on a dental floss budget. It was even thinner than, <laughs> than a shoestring budget. So this is a good topic for today. But to make a long story short, my background is actually in real estate. So I spent about a decade in real estate through my 20s and build up a business with about 100 employees, agents and employees with my company. We had multiple locations and all that. And actually, coaching wasn't even planned. I didn't even really know what coaching was years ago. And what had happened, I went through a business closure and uh, with the real estate business. And I was helped by several coaches and mentors. And that's how I first got introduced to coaching. And well, I decided, hey, this would be a great business. I would love doing that. And I jumped into the coaching world. And here I am. I'm in my fourth year now. And it feels like 40 years. But hey, <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, it's a great industry and there's nothing like uh, helping other people thrive. I can tell you I'm having a lot more fun than I ever had in real estate. So I guess that's the name. The name of the game is to have fun with whatever you're doing because life's too short. And um, it, it also goes to show that sometimes things happen. And, and what's that? I know it's kind of a corny saying about one door closing and another opening or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think it's true. You know, sometimes we view something as bad, but it's actually good when it happens. And that could be a relationship breakup, a business closure, anything like that. It can actually turn out better for you. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Mark, when a coach is trying to launch his business, first of all, let me rewind that. Most coaches absolutely have no idea that being a coach actually implies having a business. Let's start with that. So when you want to have a little bit of an audience, an impact, when you want to have a little bit of control over the clients that are coming in, that's the point when you start wondering, okay, so maybe I should create a Facebook group. Maybe I should, I don't know, uh, increase my online presence and that's when all these crazy ideas come in with uh, digital marketing with investing crazy amounts of money in social media platforms or Google Ads or all that stuff so people get confused uh, it's overwhelming they're not sure what to do most coaches don't have a business uh, background so what are the first few steps that a coach can do to create his business especially if he's on a budget well, you hit the nail on the head by saying first is to recognize that it's a business. So a lot of people coming into the coaching world are actually from professions and industries where they never had to sell before and they didn't treat it like a business. So I've come across a lot of coaches who used to be teachers or they used to be in human resources or they used to do something that they never had to go out and actually find uh, sell, you know, to sell in order to eat. And and to and that's one of the things I'm grateful with real estate is it actually taught me the importance of getting out there and earning that commission. And there's a lot of similarities I find between real estate and coaching. So 
that's the first step is to recognize that, hey, this is a business. You can't just slap a website up or print up some business cards and then all of a sudden everyone's going to come rushing through your door. It'd be nice if it happened that yeah, way. Yeah, unfortunately it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And especially in this, it's a crowded marketplace. I mean, let's face it, I don't mean to be negative because I think if you work hard, you can probably leapfrog 80% of the coaches that aren't really pushing too hard with their business. But it is a very noisy, competitive marketplace. So you have to do more than that. So that's the first step is recognize that this you aren't just a coach. You're actually running a coaching business. Uh, the next thing I like to see coaches do is I like to see them narrow their focus. So uh, the problem I'm seeing with a lot of coaches is they put themselves out there to be everything to everyone. They say, hey, you know, I'm a life coach. I'll help you make more money and have better relationships and lose a bunch of weight and be more spiritual. You know, everything under the sun, I can do it for you. And it's really hard. I'm not saying that there aren't coaches that that make a go of it that way, but it is really difficult to set yourself apart if you're trying to tackle it that way. I would rather see you narrow in on a focus, like take you for yourself where you're focusing on men. Right there, you're chopping off half of the people in the world, and that's great. you know. And then you narrow down further and stuff. And I think more coaches need to do that, but they seem to be afraid to um, cut off potential clients. They don't want to uh, leave them off the table. So instead, they're trying to just be everything to everyone. And, and it's really hard to make it work that way. So um, we're probably all sick of hearing the word niche or niche, but uh, you do have to niche down some as well. And then you have to get to work. <laughs> it sounds like common sense, but you, you got to work your butt off. So I'm not a big believer <laughs> in the four-hour work week. I've never got close to I would go nuts if I was working four hours a week, but I would say plan to be working 80 or 100 hours a week, at least in the early days with your coaching business. I am somewhere at, I think, almost 70 hours per week. Yeah, and that's normal. I mean, but I, I will say that you can build a coaching business part time if you have a job. Like, let's say you've got 20 hours a week or 25 hours a week to put towards your coaching business. You can do it, but you got to make sure you're super productive in those 20 or 25 hours. So there's a lot of coaches that I know that say, hey, I'm working 70 hours a week or 80 hours a week, but they're spending a lot of those hours playing on Facebook or they're doing candy crush or farm build or working <laughs> on their little farm and just doing anything except really working. So I know some coaches that get more done in 20 hours a week than others would in 80 hours a week. Yeah, sure. Okay, Mark, niching down. So this is a really difficult process and I know it was quite difficult for me. It's not easy picking a niche. I don't know, what are the first things that uh, that guys can do? What are the first steps? What are the, the best questions to ask yourself when trying to niche down? Well, I mean, first thing you should do is look in your background and see if there's something in there that you can transfer over to coaching. So not saying that you can't make a go of it as a coach. If you're doing something that you have no clue, you, you can learn about whatever niche you're going into, but it will be much easier if you have that background and that experience. So um, that that's one thing that's very important is, is there something in your backstory that can actually be transitioned over to choose a niche? You want to pick a niche that's not too crowded, um, but you also don't want to pick something that's so obscure that you're the only person in the world. Uh, so I the joke I always make is if you're niching down, you don't want to say, hey, I'm going to work with left-handed dentists in Idaho who are um, recently divorced and planning on selling their business in the next six to 12 months, you know, and, and, and their name is Bob. It's got to be Bob or something. You're not going to, you're not going to have any clients there. Right. So um, if you can get into a niche where there's just a handful of players, it shows that, Hey, look, there's money to be made here and clients to be had. It shows that there's that proof that you can have a business there. 
But um, you don't want to be so obscure that um, I, I heard something the other day. I don't know. Maybe she's making a go of it. But somebody who's um, I connect with on Facebook is a gardening coach, which I thought was interesting. She actually coaches people in their gardens. Now, that's very niche. There's an idea for some listeners. It's a pretty open field if you want to be a gardening coach um, or you could be, you know, a clown coach or something to help people become clowns. But um, so don't be so obscure that uh, that you end up um, just working your way out of the market. But don't be afraid to definitely narrow down. And you could probably go down a couple levels more than you think you could. Like yours is great. You know, you, you're working with men and stuff. If somebody is in that world, they could then say, OK, I'm going to work with men between the ages of you know, 30 and 40 and men that have kids and so on. And they go down a few more. So they play around with it. Take the pressure off yourself. It's not the end of the world because if you change your niche, you could also change it. You know, maybe a few years down the road, you tweak it again. Who knows? So let's say our uh, coach has his niche. What's the next step? Well, you have to decide how you're going to help the marketplace. So there's so many ways that you can help people. Uh, for me personally, I know one-on-one -on -one, coaching gets a bad rap nowadays because of those four hour work week people. They say, Hey, if you're working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> you're not going to be able to lay on the beach and stick your toes in the water and sip pina coladas all day. You know, I, I actually find that one-on-one is probably your quickest path to revenue in the early days. So I'm all for online programs, you know, do it yourself programs. And I have a number of them, but I didn't add them when I was coming out of the gate. You know, I was in it for a while before I added those in. So I think that your next step is to come up with, okay, how am I going to help people and decide and don't have 20 different ways you're going to help people because then you're not going to be able to focus on any one way. The way that I did it and the way I recommend it for my clients is to have a good one-on-one -on -one service. That's a, like I said, your quickest path to revenue, have a group program and maybe it's five people in your group or whatever. And that's a way to offer your services for a lower fee in case someone can't swing your one-on-one -on -one fees. And then you can get into adding online programs or anything. Like I have a print newsletter there that you'd mentioned secret coach club. That's a $97 a month print newsletter, no digital copies, but I didn't bring that in until March of this year. So I didn't introduce that right out of the gate. All right. So the next step is to create a program or service that actually resolves a problem for your avatar, yeah. for your client avatar. Don't work for free <laughs> or don't don't work for peanuts either. And that's why I like having a group program, because it takes pressure off your one on one. You can keep your one on one fees high. If someone's trying to haggle you, you can say, hey, look, I can still help you. You can get into my group program, which is 50% of the investment of my one-on-one -on -one or whatever you do. But it's a way to help people, but you can stay firm. At any given time, I'm only working with usually 10 people. I'll have five one-on-one -on -one clients max, and then I usually have one group going. Uh, but at the moment, actually, I'm, I'm just about to open up my third group. So I'm going to have 15 group clients and then um, my one-on-ones. But I'm not chasing around 100 people. I guess that's my point. All right. Every coach is trying to create automation in his business. Uh, when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to, I don't know, their mailing list, when it comes to uh, their programs, their online courses and all that stuff. So my question is, when is it a good time in your business to consider this and the most important question is, is this for everyone? Is this a must have in your business? The problem with a lot of new coaches coming out of the gate is they've ne they never worked with anybody before for a client, but then they want to create online programs. And I find that it's good to get experience with one on one and group coaching because that's going to make your online programs better. It's going to give you that experience. You're going to be able to take lessons learned from working with people directly. But what's happening with a lot of coaches nowadays is They've been in the coaching business for like a day or two, 
and then they're thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, create an online program. I'm going to sell it for 500 bucks or a thousand dollars. I'll never have to touch anything or talk to anybody. And I'm going to be making seven figures in my first year. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't introduce online programs because they're an important revenue source for me. But I think that it does help to have that experience with your one-on-one and your group people. And maybe it's six months after you start, you, you think, okay, now I can do online programs. The other thing too, is it can be really difficult if you don't have that traffic source coming in. You could spend, God, I've seen people spend years creating an online program, but you could easily spend six months or a year pulling this all together. And then you get zero sales or you get a handful of sales if that, and then that's pretty uh, disheartening. So that I'm a fan of online programs. I love them, but I always caution people not to jump in with them right out of the gate. You know, unless you're, if you're in a, a business, you know, it like the back of your hand and you can do it. Okay, great. Do it. But I do think it's good to build up the experience with coaching clients first. Great advice. All right, Mark. What about the traffic and lead generation engine that uh, a coach uses to build his traffic? What would you recommend? How should a coach uh, pick a traffic and lead generation engine? Actually, how can you grow your audience? What's What are the best ways? Well, it's tough because there's so many choices that you can do, right? You've got 50 or 100 choices that you could use to generate traffic. So I'm assuming that with your question, let's say it's a coach coming in that doesn't have thousands of dollars to throw into Facebook ads and they have to do it organically. The way that I did it, and I'll be honest, is um, I and I still do it. I have a couple main pillars for my coaching business. I've got my podcast. So Natural Born Coaches, it's released 500 and some episodes as of today. And it was a daily show for the first 300 episodes. Now it's at a weekly frequency. But I did that every single day for hundreds of episodes. So I have my podcast and then go, I did that and also going out on shows just like this. I've got daily emails because I'm big on email marketing. I think everyone should be doing daily emails and people think I'm nuts for saying it, but it's worked really well for me. And then my third source is through Facebook and especially through my Facebook group. So that's enough for me if I'm doing those things and hey, I know that my business is good. Now I'm just about to launch a Facebook ads campaign and, and I've brought someone on board for that. So I'm doing some other things, but you don't have to do all that. But the big key is to pick one or two things. Don't pick 10 things that you want to do and then do it consistently and, and ideally do it every day. You know, I think that that's the best way to get traction. So if you enjoy writing, maybe it's building your email list and doing daily emails. If you enjoy videos, do a Facebook live every single day. Just do it long enough that you start getting traction. Okay. All right. What about content creation? Because lots of coaches that I personally know struggle when it comes to content creation. They, uh, I don't know, they run out of ideas. It's it's really difficult to put out constantly, uh, even daily, as you uh, put it, high quality content all the time. It's tough, uh, but it does get easier. So I've been doing daily emails, for example, since April 2016. So, you know, it's been closing in on a year and a half of doing those. And in the early days, it took a while to come up with them because it was something that was new to me. Now I've got ideas flowing into my head from all over, you know, and I can write those emails very quickly just because I've written so many words. So con content creation, here's some great sources, uh, websites that you go on, like media sources. So if you're going on CNN.com, you're going on Drudge, you're going on Huffington Post, whatever you're going on. You can get um, sort of things from there. You can get things from your day-to-day -day life, stories in, from your life or from your client's life or something you see out there. Your radar is going to become finely tuned when you start creating more content. But the problem is a lot of coaches and online entrepreneurs, they try it for a week 
and then they think, oh, well, I didn't get any clients from it, so I'm going to quit, you know, and then they're done. So I think it's very key that you stick with it. It's going could take a month. It could take, you know, maybe more to actually start seeing that traction from it. But you have to do it consistently for at least a month. So it's a long-term game, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, humans are terribly impatient and they see all the ads on Facebook promising seven figures a month as a coach, you know, working a few minutes a day. And it just doesn't happen like that. So you have to be patient and be willing to actually see the results. But in today's landscape, people are just terribly, I mean, I'm not the most patient guy in the world, but when I look <laughs> at some of the people online, I'm like, man, I'm compared to them, I'm extremely patient because they're, they're not seeing results in like a week and they're like ready to quit. <laughs> okay. Mark, here's a really interesting question. Can you build your coaching practice strictly online without attending networking events? Maybe if you're living in a, in a small town or something like that, or do you have to uh, have a budget and uh, travel and uh, I don't know, attend uh, two or three events per week? How do you see this? No, you don't need to. I mean, my business, I'm on the east coast of Canada and I'm not in exactly the hot spot of the world when it comes to different networking events. My business is completely from away. So over the last four years, I've worked with one or two people who were local coaches who came to me by accident. I don't even advertise locally because it's just not my, my I'm working with people from away. And uh, and they came on board. So that there's a good example of how you're able to build it up without doing all the local networking events. I'm not a Starbucks coach. I hate to I wouldn't want to coach at Starbucks with people and do all these meetings and running around. I like it if all my appointments are on Skype, you know, and that's how I work with people. And I like working from, with people from away. So I'm working with people mostly in the United States, my clients, but I have a few overseas. I mean, here we are talking, you're in what, Romania and, and we're talking. So, um, yeah, I don't talk to anyone in my hometown and that's kind of how I like it, really. I, I don't think they can pay my fees anyways. I'm not the cheapest coach out there. So they're, they're, they can be cheap here. So I don't want to work with them. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. I hear you. <laughs> all right. All right. Great stuff here. Uh, Mark, as we are reaching the second part of the show, I am going to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom that will help them on their journey. So are you ready for the fire round? Sure. All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? Without a doubt, I'm actually holding it in my hand because I always have it on my desk. Uh, Thick Face, Black Heart, and that's by Chinning Chu. So um, not a lot of people know about this book. Again, it's called Thick Face, Black Heart. And the reason I'd recommend it is it's an excellent book for developing a thicker skin to be able to bat away the criticisms mm. from the people out there because you're always going to be facing criticism. And um, it's an excellent book to show you how you can ruthlessly uh, go after your goals and your objectives, but not necessarily in a bad way. When we hear ruthless, we think it's evil a lot of times, but not in an evil way. But um, you can go after your goals unapologetically. So it's a book I wish I'd read after my business closure in 2009. I didn't find it till probably like 2013, 2014. But it's a book that I read at least several times a year. It's an incredible book. Highly recommend right. it. Definitely one for, uh, for my reading list. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, here's the second question. If you had the opportunity to talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give him? What would you tell him to do differently? Ooh, um, I'd tell him to buy some stock in Apple, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that's not what you mean by the question, though. No. I, I would tell 20-year-old Mark that you're, you're 
Hey, FYI, young Mark, you're going to be hitting a lot of bumps in the road here. It's going to get very rocky, especially in about 10 years from then, because I was around 30 when uh, you ever hear the term dirty 30s. I know what they call it, dirty 30s because I was hitting my 30s and everything collapsed. Uh, but I would tell tell young Mark that, hey, look, things are going to get rough here. Uh, don't sweat it. Don't worry. You're gonna, Everything's going to end up fine. And um, it's hard to, when you're in the thick of things, really appreciate that. And you think if young Mark was talking to older Mark, he would say, yeah, right. What do you know? Or whatever. But it's true. You know, th things have a way of working out. So I, I don't know if I'd tell him to do anything differently, really, because back when I started in real estate, there wasn't a coaching industry really out there. And for people working online as coaches just was unheard of. So I look at it and I think, you know what, it was rough at times, but really I think I handled it probably the best I could have handled it personally. So I would tell him just stay the course, um, buckle up, you're going to have some some uh, rough times, but don't lose heart and just keep going. Okay, Mark, please share a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you or he didn't know about being a man in today's world. I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life one that you will be sure to share with the future generation? Ooh, that's a great question. My father's still around. He's still alive, thankfully. But, um, you know, I, I wish that he would have told me to, um, and maybe he couldn't have told me because, again, the, the coaching industry wasn't around <laughs> there. I wish he would have. My father's very um, old-fashioned. He's very, you know, I grew up in a middle-class house uh, household where he worked nine to five and, you know, he went left every morning at seven o'clock and he was home at 530. And it was just very much like that. I wish that he would have told me that, hey, look, you could do something different and, you know, you don't have to do this. So I took a more traditional route when I got out of high school. I went to university. Um, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have gotten my degree. And I could do a whole podcast interview on this, but I think that uh, when it comes to university and college, a lot of times it's highly overrated. My degree, I loved it. I'm, I lo it was a, I'm a poli sci major. I love politics, but is it doing much for my business now? Probably not. So if I could go back in time, I wish my father had said, don't go to university, start a business four years earlier, get a head start and go from there. I just ticked off a bunch of your audience that are in university or college or, or finished college, but I do think it can be a tremendous waste of time and money personally. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see uh, college as the uh, end all be all, uh, you know, the end goal in life and all yeah. that stuff. So it really depends on, on the path that you want to take uh, afterwards. Yeah, I stumbled I stumbled across my university degree the other day as cleaning out an old <laughs> box and that shows you what I think of it because I had... It's not like I have it up on the wall and I'm looking at it and I'm cleaning it off every day and all this stuff. I didn't even know where it was, you know, and um, I don't know. I look at those four years. I guess I had to grow up and it helped me mature probably, but it was an expensive lesson. And, and I look at people paying six figures, you know, for their college and stuff. So unless you're going on a very tight track where you're going through something that you need to take that post-secondary education for a very specific type of industry – then I wouldn't recommend it, uh, me personally. I completely agree. <laughs> okay, this has been great, Mark. Uh, before we say goodbye, please share with us the projects that currently excite you and where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I'm really excited right now. We mentioned about Secret Coach Club, so that's my print newsletter. I launched it in March of this year. And uh, that's really interesting. It's a 16-page print newsletter. So I, I know people are thinking it's very Stone Ages or prehistoric. I, I have some stone slabs in my backyard. <laughs> you certainly stand out, that's for sure. 
That's right. Yeah, there's no digital copies. And there's a reason for that. But um, basically, by having it as print newsletter, no digital copies, people treat it a lot more serious. And I put my best stuff in there. So it's not stuff that I'm sharing anywhere else online on social media or anything. And I'm treating people in secret coach club just like their clients. So they're getting that print newsletter once a month. It's $97 a month. And they get some other benefits. They get to pick my brain by email. So I don't do brain picking if anyone else reaches out to me. But people that are in that club can pick my brain by email. And then I also do a live call with a special guest once a month. No pitching, just pure content teaching value. And we do that once a month as well. So that's at secretcoachclub.com. And if people want to find out more about me, the main hub is naturalborncoaches.com. And I got to say one more, which thank you for being a member of this, but my Facebook group is is growing and there's some great people in there. So the Coaching Jungle is my Facebook group. And if you go to thecoachingjungle.com, you'll find us. All right. Mark, thanks again for joining us today. And I'm looking forward to having you on the Manage Journey Today podcast again in the future. Yeah, well, thanks, Colleen. Guys, till next time, take care.